Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Orthopod. My name is Mo Bhandari, uh, the Editor-in-Chief of OrthoEvidence, and I'm here once again um, with Dr. Carlos Leal from Bogota, Colombia. He has been uh, with us before, and I urge you to watch that other podcast to get context to, to where we are today. But so what's happening, Carlos? I mean, things have definitely changed in Colombia, and I wonder if you can give us a quick pricey as to um, what events have happened, and we can maybe get into what is the current state, um, and we, in which in, in and of itself, I think, deserves quite a bit of attention. Thanks, Mo. Thanks for having me once again here. Uh, it's been tough. We've beat, we met, I don't know, like two months ago, maybe. Yeah. We were talking about how things were going and how Colombia was like in maybe the 28th or 28th. 27 spots in the world and how everything was okay. We didn't even have a thousand cases or something, but it, it, it has extended in time. And a big rise just came a few weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, we we're having the big, big race of, uh, of pandemic. And we have experienced that, like it's almost the same race that, that you see in other countries, but in every region has its own behavior, especially in response to health and government policies. And it's, it's like the worst moment right now. We're having a very steep, I mean, uh, two months ago when we talked, we had not, we didn't have a patient and we were like, like every hospital was like waiting and empty. And all of a sudden in two or three weeks, uh, we have 81 patients, uh, full two, two or three floors in our hospital. All of our 24 intensive care unit beds are full. Uh, the, uh, the, the situation is going beyond 75% of occupancy in intensive care units all around the country. And especially in Bogota and the metropolitan area of Barranquilla, um, things are really, really tough because we have like 40 to 50% of the cases in Colombia. We're, we have really high numbers right now. So, I mean, what do you perceive happened? Was it at the, so at the time, um, did Colombia, and I thought it did, go through a fairly rigorous I mean, we use the word lockdown, I mean, and you can explain what yeah. was happening. What do you think shifted um, in that, you know, that you're seeing the rise? Maybe you can speak to what were the, what were the policies and then ultimately when did this change happen? Was it just inevitable it was going to happen? Yeah, I, I, I think that there, there are like two or three scenarios of this COVID uh, virus infection in the world. One was like in China and in Italy or Spain and Europe where you, you didn't expect something like this to happen. And boom, they had a big rise and a, a big problem. And then in other countries like ours, we were prepared, we got the experience from them and then we just flattened the curve a little bit. And we tried to get the number, hypothetical number of where is the capacity of our countries to deal with uh, a number of patients and intensive care units and our health system supported. And then you have the third scenario, which is the, okay, we've, we've learned about that, but we don't, we don't really believe that. And that's what happened in the States and in Brazil, for example. Right. We are in that, in that second scenario. We, we were prepared for this. We didn't, I mean, we were kind of happy because it was very tough at the beginning and everybody was behaving. And then things like released a little bit here and there, people have to go out after 30, 40 days, the economy has to move. So then you don't, I mean, we have not had like a second wave. This is our first big wave. It's not a second wave. Deep. And this big first wave, it's, it's high and it's rising a peak. And it's just because people went out and released a lot of uh, the, the measures 
the lockdown now, uh, it's, it's going to be an 130 days until August the 31st, you know. So when did they, so when was the quote second lockdown? I mean, or you're calling it a lockdown. So at some point you said things released. At that point, people started getting out. When did they say, okay, we got to take serious measures. Like something has to happen here because it's, it's rising. And, you know, there's a point of what happened in, as you know, in Brazil, which is by the time you realize it, it's already out of control. And I don't know if you feel that's what's happening there, but when was this? So you say you're into another lockdown. What's happening? right now what's the current state uh within bogota well are you like to get out in the day is it you what is the yeah, yeah. well there, there are different strategies in different cities yeah. okay. uh there's still a lockdown uh the big 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 lockdown was like uh, probably three months ago yep. when the whole thing began yep. and then after that they they started releasing people letting some people to go out and letting them work and uh with mm -hmm. some restrictions here and there but then when the big, big, big rise came up, different cities took different strategies for lockdown. Bogota took it regionally. So there were areas in the south of the city that are really high, but absolutely high with a lot of numbers of patients mm -hmm. and deaths. So the major just decided to do this in areas and they locked down certain areas like uh, the south of Bogota is locked down for 15 days. Nobody can come out of that area. So it's, it's funny and it's kind of, uh, I mean, tough just yeah. to feel that you're locked down in a place that you cannot cross the street. And that was a strategy. And then you have Medellin, for example, and they, they took a totally different uh, scenario. They, they said, okay, it's not going to be by regions, but by days. Three days work, four days lockdown. Three days work, four days lockdown. And then Barranquilla, uh, that has a lot of patients there, they're locked down every weekend as well. So they're different, different uh, strategies, but still we're having numbers. I mean, the big number that you have to think about is uh, we reached 10,000 patients um, in two months between March the 6th and May the 6th. Those are the same number of patients we'd had in 30 hours, in the past 30 hours. 10,000 yeah. patients a, in 30 hours. Yeah. So we have to, we have to be aware of this. And so this is an alien virus. I mean, it happens like, I don't know. I mean, we have young doctors that, that die after three days. And then we have immunosuppressed uh, patients with half a liver that are in the intensive care unit for 35 days and they survive. And you never know. So right now, right now, what is the general status? So, I mean, you know, you see in the U.S. there's a big promotion of, well, we have to distance still, we have to wear masks. Um, Canada has moved to wearing masks, and there's this concept of getting compliance in the community to say, okay, you know, let's try to contain this. What containment measures are at least being tried? And quite frankly, I, have, I imagine it's very, very difficult to use containment measures when you have such a high population density in certain parts of um, Colombia, specifically in Bogota, you've got regions of Bogota that are just really dense. And I remember you telling me that. How is that even oh, yeah. possible? So like, what is the strategy at this point going forward? Education, it's only education and, and uh, trying to get people to understand that it's not you, it's the rest of the population you're talking about. I mean, we've had a, sh a shift of ages, for example, we used to have like, in the beginning, the people that were um, uh, cases were between 40 and 60. And now we have between 20 and 40, because these are the people that are going out now that they can just go out. Uh, so everything has to do with confinement, with lockdown, 
everybody has to wear a mask when you leave the house. And I mean, in every place of Colombia, every, everybody has to wear a mask. Uh, if there's someone with a suspicious case of COVID or a positive uh, test, the whole family is locked down for 15 days. Um, then you have these regional lockdown things. And uh, now, I don't know, statistics, you know how they are. They, yeah. they, they said uh, obesity is a factor. Hypertension is a factor and diabetes is a factor. Mm -hmm. So now if you're diabetic, hypertensive or obese, you cannot go out, which means that, oh, I mean, 53% of people beyond 50 uh, years of age have some degree yeah. of hypertension. So it's like, it's like saying, okay, COVID affects humans. So humans don't go out. Uh, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, so, but I mean, as, as much as we educate people to do the right things and understand that it's not a matter of contamination and infection. It's a matter of we are not able to respond. We're telling people, if you get sick now, you don't have a bed. Everything is full. So you better take care of yourself. So that's, that's the way it's going on now. We're also hearing news, and maybe you can clarify this. You know, and I'll just read an excerpt from a recent article that came out of CTV News, which is sort of the Canadian television um, yeah. uh, group here. It says, illegal armed groups are imposing strict COVID-19 quarantines in parts of Colombia where the state has a weak presence, threatening and even killing those who do not imply, uh, those who do not comply. Is this, is this real? Is this happening? And do you have a sense of why this is happening? Is this basically the community taking charge or is this or are there other political uh, economic reasons for some of these uh, groups that are coming out? Well, there are certain areas in every big, large city in the world that are not really well dominated by police. And yeah. uh, well, obviously some people might take care of their own uh, security, safety and stuff. But I wouldn't say that that is something that happens in all Colombia. Maybe, yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be sure. I cannot tell you if sure. this is uh, true or not in certain areas, probably yes. But it's not something that you see here in the yeah, in, yeah. in the in, in the city, or it's something that is an issue really that's uh, concerning the government right now. Um, the thing is that poverty in certain areas of the third world, like in Colombia, in, in, in areas where you have absolutely no uh, resources, uh, and then you're confined and locked and uh, under these conditions, well, people will increase the crime rate, and that's something that comes with the economy, and it's it's just a phenomenon. So if you have a, we just had uh, maybe three or four weeks ago, uh, a, a big tanker rolled over and they were stealing the gasoline and it exploded and we and they, they 40, 45 people got killed out there. And that's just because of poverty and that's just because of the, the I mean, if you cannot give food to your family and you're, you're in these conditions then some things like this can happen, but it's not like, you're unsafe in the cities right now because yeah. uh, they're like uh, this uh, local local army things. Right, right, right. So, I mean, from the healthcare perspective and the orthopedic perspective, have things once again taken a big shift back? Are you back into triaging all uh, elective cases? Uh, what's getting through? What what procedures are even getting done right now in the hospitals? It is even worse now because. Um, the government is taking care of intensive care units right now. Okay. So if you have a private hospital or university hospital, the national or the local government will tell you 
listen, we need your, we need your best. And that's logical. I mean, if the south part of the city has people that are dying on the streets, you can't, you are, I mean, you need to use those intensive care units. And then all the, the, the uh, uh, medications and all the resources for intensive care units are the same resources for surgery, elective surgery. So they have locked the and block the uh, the elective surgeries as well because you don't want to get low in resources yeah. human resources which are anesthesiologists and intensive care unit doctors and medication resources and all these things so right now we're not doing any elective surgery they're all closed until further notice nobody wants to work with a uh, date anymore uh, so we are not doing that. And in major hospitals, like in our university hospital, we are doing uh, total knee and total hip replacements to people that are really in trouble that cannot even move because they, they, they can't because of their situation. But in general, I would say that orthopedic surgery is blocked in the whole country. We cannot do elective surgery right now, not even in small uh, facilities like where we do surgery. That's only a sports medicine outpatient facility. We don't have a hospitalization we don't have intensive care units. We don't, we're, we're like a COVID-free uh, hospital, and still, we're not allowed to do it. And patients won't come anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what's the general, I guess, uh, mood with that's happening in the healthcare community? You know, I mean, you're interacting with nurses, other physicians, other surgeons. I mean, here's, and, and I'll, I'll give you context, Carlos. So in Canada, for example, or in places where, you know, there hasn't really been the surge, the surge that everyone's preparing for hasn't happened. Then there becomes this sense of two things happen. There are people who start believing, well, this is all overhyped. There really isn't much going on. Why are we? All, why is the government imposing all these silly restrictions on us? Let's get back to the business. Let's get our economy going. I mean, that clearly is a mindset you can see happening. And then you see a lot of people heading out in the streets and doing right. trying to get back to normal. I don't know if you can explain to that group of people who are watching, or may who be listening as to what the true feeling is. Um, and I have a feeling, you know, there was that perception in Colombia for a while too, where, okay, you know, we're okay. We'll be fine, we'll get over this. And then you say you have 10,000 cases in a period of a day, which normally would have taken you two or three, four weeks to get. So there's a definite shift and, I, and it's getting, again, yeah, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Can you speak a little bit to that for us? Um. It, it, it happens all over the world. I mean, people are relaxed here. Um, I think that uh, you're absolutely right. The, 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 the economy has to move. The restrictions are there. And the experience here is that the industry, construction, uh, everything that, that has been very strict on working on, on uh, regulations and working on biosafety, uh, they're doing pretty well. But people out on the streets, they just go out and they don't care. And then you see the results. What we're seeing right now is family of even friends of ours that have their kids that don't believe in these things and they go out and here and there and they're infected right now. So uh, that's, that's one of the reasons. I mean, it's not only that we have already more tests and that way we can detect more virus uh, infection. It's a matter of lowering the measures and people are just getting sick and tired of, uh, of not believing that this is an important thing. I think that right now, uh, with these numbers, just watching the TV uh, news, people are getting uh, very, very much aware of 
that this is a serious thing and then we will have again uh, a little uh, not a big rise but this will I, I believe this this will have like three or four waves in in, in in a year at least yeah and so let me ask you this right now um and maybe you have this information uh but do you have a sense of are these i mean you've said a couple of times it's the younger people who right now who are getting uh, a greater proportion of infections i i got the impression that the narrative on the elderly and those at risk was so strong in those earlier times that I think many of the elderly have gotten the message. They're, they're not going out, they're staying in. Um, the younger individuals who maybe feel a little bit more, maybe you know, less vulnerable have been out. Are they the ones now getting the majority of the um, infections? Oh, definitely yes. Everybody beyond 60 years of age has been at least a day or a night in a hospital bed. And they know what that is and they believe and they understand and they feel that they're in a moment of life that if you get sick it's going to be serious and yeah. then you have like i mean when you're 20 years old old you're a superman i mean nothing happens to you you're like perfect and they don't believe in these things and then you have two two different uh, populations those that already had a COVID positive and nothing happened to them yeah right and then they go out and they believe Man, sure. I, yeah. I, I, nothing happened here, but still, it's just one type of virus and out of many of these types of virus. And then we're having a, a lot of people that are having more and more and more and they're coming out and they're infected people because they feel like, what the heck, I'm, I don't need a, a mask. I don't need more protection. I'm just going to party with my friends. And it has not been like in other places. You don't see crowded beaches in Colombia. You don't see like crowded areas in Colombia. But you do see uh, people going out on the streets and, and, and moving around. But uh, when you go on the streets, people are taking care and they have they wear their masks. And send them. there are some exceptions and there are certain things. But I would say that the, the shift to the younger people uh, has been because they, they, they feel like they're immune to this virus. And it's not true. It's not true. Okay. I mean, the message okay. that I give to people and and... And then when they ask me, you know, this is exaggerated or not, Doc? And I say, right, no, right. it's exaggerated the other way around. It should be more uh, away right now. This is the worst moment. Yeah, I, I can could, I could see. Okay, so, I mean, that is a very typical um, pathology of what we're seeing happen, which is, you know, the elderly were at risk. Uh, they were got, they got it in the earlier peak or peaks. The second peak right. seems to be many young people coming out, and then they're likely going to bring it back back to the elderly. I mean, that's the fear. And then we aren't, we aren't even talking about a second wave yet. We're talking the first wave in most this countries. I'm not aware of any countries right now that are in a second wave. We're all just trying to get through the first wave um, of what, whatever this is. Let me ask you this in closing. Sure. When we spoke some weeks ago, a couple months ago now, it seems, um, I had asked you, you know, what's 2020 look like? And then we had, you know, we had talked and you said, well, maybe we'll get into even 2021. Looking at where you are now, how has your opinion changed about what's going to happen are we going to be back to and i hate to use the word normal because there is no such thing i think in the mindset of many of us right now but what does it look like what is what does even next summer look like to you same are we going to be yeah, are you going to be traveling are we going to have big ago, meetings <laughs> now nah, two, two months ago i told you that at the beginning of this thing very march we canceled the october meeting Right. And they say, you're crazy. October is going to be fine. I said, no, right. I don't think so. It's going to be fine in October 2021 if, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not yeah. really sure about that. The, the numbers that we have right now are that 
are, are very interesting in, in, in terms of statistics. And mm. it means, when am I going to be the way that I was two weeks before? Right. And that is three months after. And that is a huge statistical number, which means that if I want to be like I was two weeks ago, that's going to be September. Yeah. And that yeah. means that if I want to be like I was in February, this year, which was kind of normal because we were having tequila in Chihuahua. But we were. It's going to yeah. be like summer next year. Yeah. And, and that's, that's my feeling. I, I think this, this whole measures of uh, and the differences are not be, you know, of, of, of how bad the virus is and the policies right. that you take will flatten the curve a lot, yeah. but it will last. It will last a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I think that we, will, we won't be like... Uh, back to what we were in March 2020 until probably October 2021. Yeah. I mean, it's funny how things just keep keep shifting. And I know people say, well, and I think you've said the same thing, which is, you know, regionally, like there'll be parts of the world that are completely free probably by next, early next year. The problem is you cannot have a normal functional economy or a normal functional um, interaction among people internationally if there are parts, if there are many wildfires still burning around you, you have to have it dealt with, or you have to have a vaccine in which people are vaccinated. The challenge with that is another whole podcast, I'm sure, around vaccines and what that means and the fact that even when people get it, they don't hold immunity for more than about 20 days and it goes away again. So here's the challenge. I mean, there's a lot yeah, of challenges. We're talking about virus here. So a virus is something like that. Yes. You, you get immune right. for about a month and then what? Denmark. And then it's only one version of that virus. And then what? So right. I, I, we, we really don't know. I mean, the, the immune system of the human uh, and of mankind I ask, has been like that. I mean, you get immunity before you can really work with a, with a viral vaccine. So I, I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Probably in Latin America and in the third world, we'll do more of a lot of clinical research because we cannot do the basic research that you have in, in the big countries uh, with all that, you know. And actually, but, I mean, like, you know, you to do the clinical research, you have to have cases. So then this is this is going to be the reality of where we're going to have to get information. You're going to become a real uh, siren to help us understand, you know, what's happening. Uh, because many parts of the world think they're either past it or their mindset is that they're past it. And I think we're just getting started. It sounds a horrible. And people always say, don't get into fear mongering. Don't get into this. It's hard not to think of the global context of where we are and not it's not about fear it's about reality it's about information i don't think it's it's fear-mongering to say what you're experiencing right now is not reality our reality in canada is very different right now that doesn't mean that you're not experiencing a very different reality and we can switch like this yeah it's the same but it's a different reality we've learned a lot the kids are not getting sick how the the pediatric uh wards everywhere which means that a kid that doesn't go out to the street will never get sick that's number one. And then about education, things will change and hybrid meetings and all these things. Oh. But probably you will be able at the end of the year to move within your own city. So if we want to yeah. do a big meeting, probably I will have your hotel there to have some gathering and that mine here. And they will That's have right. both of them connected on the on, online. That's exactly right. It'll be a series of these hybrid sort of spoken hub meetings, as I've been hearing about, right? They have various little hubs where people gather and then they all connect. Right. As small groups, you know, and that may be the way it goes. We'll have to become more innovative than what we're doing now. But 
I can't thank you enough, um, Carlos. As usual, you know, you, you've provided really rapidly. And, you know, when I see things changing, you're always first to jump and give a hand to give us some insight. It's really hard to get meaningful data, as you know, when things are evolving. So you often look to trusted people, trusted individuals who are like yourself. And uh, I, our community thanks you, and I, I can't thank you enough for, uh, for taking time. And I imagine, yeah, I imagine we'll be back again in a maybe eight to 10 weeks <laughs> chatting. And I'm hoping we're both giving a thumbs up. I'm hoping I'm giving a thumbs up to you. For, I hope so. For, yeah. uh, you know, that things are getting slowly in the right direction. Let's, let's aim to that. I mean, we're, I mean, this Latin America in general have the top 10 right now. And it's uh, between the United States and Latin America, we're like the hotspot right now. So yeah. probably we will still have some issues in, in two or three uh, months. And yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this thumbs up. And I think that's going to be that way. Absolutely. Positive. Well, listen, take great care. And you know that uh, you have a whole community of people uh, around you to help and give as much support as we can. But thanks again, uh, Carlos, for all your time.